Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for us this Epiphany Sunday is our reading from the Gospel of Matthew, the second chapter. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. This is our word from the Lord today. Today marks really kind of the end of our celebration of Christmas and the Christmas season. Today we ground out our nativity scenes as we welcome the arrival of the wise men. Now, this account of the wise men, in many ways, it leads us, or at least it leaves me with more questions than answers. It's recorded for us, this appearance of the wise men, only in Matthew's gospel. And as we read through it, at least for myself, I naturally begin to wonder, well, how many wise men were they really? What, what do we know about them? Their, their names have been lost to antiquity. What we know about who they were specifically or how many of them there were, it really is more based on church tradition and the number of gifts that they present than anything else. That's why when you look at it, almost any nativity scene, you will see three wise men. But we're not told in the text how many there were, and it's likely that there were more than three. I mean, after all, it's hard to imagine that the appearance of just three strangers would set all of Jerusalem to talking. And yet that's exactly what happens when these wise men appear. Then we have the question, where did they come from? We're told they came from the east, but really how far east are we talking? What country, what race, what nationality were they? You know, where would they call home? Where would you put that pin if you were to drop it on a map? Again, we don't have a solid answer. Then there's the star that they follow. What kind of star was it? Was it a star like we see in our night sky? Was it a supernova, something that had occurred uh, long before and that we were just seeing the light of, they were just seeing the light of there in that moment? Was it a comet? Was it something more supernatural than natural? Again, we aren't told. We're simply told that the appearance of it was as a star and that they followed it 
to the place where Jesus laid. And then there's the question, well, how did they make this connection between this new bright light they saw in the night sky and the birth of a new king in Israel? This is perhaps the, the one question we have more of an answer to than the others. Depending on how far east you were to put the pin drop on where their home happened to be, if we're talking east where Babylon and Assyria had been, then it's likely that these men had some knowledge of the prophets. You just remember, Israel had spent years in exile in Babylon and Assyria. And with them, they had taken with, with them the word of God, the stories and the messages of the prophets. And so perhaps that's where they heard it and where they made this connection between this new star and the birth of a king in Israel. Regardless of that, I don't want us to focus on the questions that this story poses for us. Instead, one of the fascinating details about this encounter between the wise men and Jesus is that in it, we get two glimpses of the future. One, a glimpse of Jesus' immediate future. And one, a glimpse of a future yet to come. Now, in the glimpse of Jesus' immediate future, we see this in the gifts that the these wise men bring and lay before Jesus' feet. Gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Gold, of course, is the gift that we would most likely associate with a gift you would bring to a king. It's as precious a metal today as it was back then. And this gift of gold, when you stop and think about the the whole span of Jesus' ministry here on earth, this is about as close as he comes to the trappings of what we would identify uh, a king to have here in this moment when he's presented with this gift of gold. At the end of his ministry, at the end of his life, when he would stand before Pilate and he would be asked the question point blank, are you a king? Jesus would reply, my kingdom is not of this world. And yet in this gift of the wise men, we see that Jesus truly is king. King of all creation. This is a gift of the frankincense, an incense that was burned throughout the first century Roman world, often burned in worship of gods. In this gift, we catch a glimpse of who Jesus truly is. Not just a child here in this moment as the wise men are standing before him, but God himself as he present this gift of frankincense. And then probably the most enigmatic of all of the gifts, myrrh. Uh, something that, you know, obviously we're not a whole, very, very familiar with. It was sometimes used as a perfume made from the flowers, uh, the, the flower of a rose. When it was mixed with vinegar, it became an antiseptic. And its most common use probably in the first century, or one of the very common uses, was as a spice that was wrapped up in those who were about to be buried. John's Gospel tells us that when Jesus' body was taken down from the cross, as it was wrapped in those linen cloths, it was wrapped, wrapped up, and along with all of that was 75 pounds of myrrh and other spices as they prepared him for burial. And in this gift of myrrh, we see that Jesus is not just true God, but also true man, destined to die. 
So we have these three gifts. The gift of gold, which points us to Jesus' majesty. The gift of frankincense, his divinity, and the gift of myrrh. This truth that he was destined to suffer and die for you and for me. Now the question, did the wise men know all of this when they presented those gifts to Jesus? Probably not. And yet God arranged it in such a way that in these gifts, we would catch a glimpse of who Jesus truly was here in this moment. But there's another glimpse of the future, and this is a a glimpse of the future yet to be. And we see it when you you take a step back and you consider just the the stark details of the story as a whole. You know, here we have these wise men, magi, foreigners, Gentiles, coming into Israel, looking for the Messiah. These were the last people you would expect to be searching for a new king, let alone the Messiah in Israel. And yet they've heard God's word and they've come following this star. And what do they do when they find him? When they arrive in Bethlehem, they rejoice exceedingly and as they stand before the child Jesus, they fall down on their knees and they worship him. And it's there that moment That is a glimpse of the future to come. It's a glimpse of the fulfillment of this prophecy that Paul gives us in his letter to the Philippians. When he says this about Jesus. Have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus. Who though he was in the form of God did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, whether in heaven or on earth or under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. And there it is, there in that moment, As the wise men, these Gentiles, are bowing down before Jesus, we catch this glimpse of the future yet to come, future when every knee will bow before Jesus, our King, our Lord, and our Savior. When I think of the story of the wise men, it's this image, more than all the other questions that come into my mind as I hear that story, it's this image, these men bowing before Jesus, this child, Jesus, that sticks with me. See, these men who by all rights shouldn't be there, and yet there they are on their knees, worshiping the king. And in this way, the wise men have become fathers of us all. Because by rights, if we're honest, we shouldn't be here either. And yet we've been called by God's word We've been baptized into his kingdom as his sons and daughters. We've come by many different roads and many different paths here, following the word of God. And here we are for worship once again, bowing down before our king. So with the gifts we bring, our time, our 
talents, our treasures, but most importantly, the gift that God most desires with ourselves, we worship. So take a cue from the wise men this morning. Rejoice, because you're in the presence of your King. In his name, amen.